Boom, boom, indeed. This is Corey, and this is the Yo, the Anthem podcast. Good afternoon, everybody. It's Rob. Welcome to episode 379 of the Yo, the Anthem podcast. Coming to you from all over LA, but of course, Corey is there in the Yo, the Anthem studios, gentrifying LA, one neighborhood at a time. Thank you for joining us. Yes, thank you for listening on your podcast of your choice. The easiest way, anchor.fm forward slash Yo, the Anthem. Still working on that tagline. I was going to go with... Um, Bringing some sassy to a new classy neighborhood of LA. <laughs> I don't but, know how classy uh, it is. It's it, I mean uh, you in general and then the studio. Well, I mean, clearly there's a there's a lot of class to be had here. I just took off my smoking jacket, so <laughs> that's just any jacket you wear though. I don't know why that's such a big deal. <laughs> my fancy smoking jacket, my Hefner oh, okay. one, you know, like the oh, okay, all right, yeah. The yeah. one legitimately that says the class of the smoking, the whole thing. Anyway, you know what a smoking jacket is, by the way, it's like a, it's not velvet, right? It is velvet. Is it? And you know why? Is it like it crushed is velvet? velvet? Yeah. Do you know why it's velvet? Uh, because it doesn't trap the cigarette smoke as much, or like pipe smoke. The opposite. It does trap the pipe smoke. But oh. When you take it off, it doesn't actually tra- let it transfer to the clothes below. Oh. So your your smoking jacket will always smell like smoke, but as soon as you take it off, now you no longer smell like smoke. Interesting. I didn't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe I should look into see if I can find myself a Trey Mancini smoking jacket. I'm sure that'll be very on brand. I'm not sure that uh, the message "boom boom" across the back will get get across to everybody, but sure. Yeah, let's just say. And of course, starting out there, uh, we'll just have a quick round of sports ball. And uh, a quick uh, programming note, soccer, or football, as they may call it around the world, does not matter. So the fact that Italy won or England won, uh, not very important. On to baseball. I, the only thing I like about uh, the soccer is just that like people are blaming like Nigel Farage for, for England losing, which is like, it's like, yeah, of course, he, he's responsible for everything. Um, also, uh, the fact that... Uh, Lebanon was invaded by Israel in 1968. England also lost. Uh, no, Italy won the World Cup. Uh, Lebanon invaded by Israel in 1983. England or uh, Italy won the World Cup. So now Lebanon looking at Israel like, no, bro. Calm down. Calm down. They got other problems, though. Don't worry, Lebanon, man. They got other issues they're worrying about. They're bombing other brown people. Don't worry. <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry. I thought this was sports ball. <laughs> I thought this was America. Uh, so, um, we uh, got delayed a little bit starting tonight because uh, I couldn't stop watching Trey Mancini in the home run derby. Um, just an incredible performance. And he just ran into the Pete Alonso buzzsaw. And uh, it's happened to too many before. Uh, and looks like it'll probably happen to many after because... He is just an incredible home run hitting machine, uh, but uh, doesn't take anything away from the accomplishment of Trey uh, competing in the the home run derby and uh, doing exceptionally well and being an inspiring story for everyone with this comeback from cancer. And uh, yeah, it's just uh, it's nice to have a have a good Orioles story in the news for a change, you know, like just like rather as than opposed to what? Well, as opposed to being the second worst team in baseball and. Uh, 
we have one all-star representative. Like it, it's kind of funny. I was uh, thinking about this earlier because the draft is happening too. The the Orioles right. just took uh, I can't remember the kid's name. It's weird. It's like Colton Cowser or something like that. He's not gonna play in the major leagues. It doesn't matter. The, the, the major I mean, league draft doesn't really matter. I mean, not right away. It'll probably be another three years or so at least. But like, uh, it's like one of those things. Like I like all our guys, even though they're clearly not as good as other people's guys. <laughs> like. <laughs> It's like, I like Austin Hayes. I, I want to see him in the lineup. But, you know, obviously, if Mike Trout came to this team, I would tell Austin Hayes to politely go away because <laughs> I need <laughs> Mike Trout. But, you know, it's it's like in the meantime, even for a bad team, I like the the general makeup of the of the team. It's just, uh, you know, depressing to lose all the time, like the sweep against the White Sox that happened right before the All-Star break. But uh, not again, going, going back to positive Orioles news. Uh, Trey Mancini with the night showing in the home run derby made me very happy. And, you know, all-star game tomorrow. Uh, Cedric Mullins will be starting in center field for the injured Mike Trout. So uh, at least one example where a Oriole will take, will be better off, better suited to play than Mike Trout uh, yeah. when he's injured. Uh, so under those, very specific under those very specific circumstances, you'd be better off having an Oriole than Mike Trout. So, uh, mm-hmm. Um, and also, if you were paying for the team, better to have an Oriole than Mike Trout because oh he's yeah, not even I mean playing, like, he gets that contract. Woo, yeah, and uh, what was it? Uh, I think the entire Orioles team is paid less than Trevor Bauer is this year. I think that was the that was the line. Uh, so and that I think that includes Chris Davis's contract. So. Woo. <laughs> that really tells you something. And then, of course, Trevor Bauer is uh, not going to pitch for a while because he is in trouble, perhaps. Uh, we'll find mm. out. For, Doesn't l- for, for what? Uh, uh, for a sexual assault allegation. I don't know. Uh, I, I don't know anything about it, so I don't want to comment on what happened because I've, I, the details haven't been great, but uh, uh, at least from what I've seen. So uh, moving on. Uh, but the All-Star game is tomorrow. Uh but again, I, I we talked about this before leading up. Uh, I think everyone should tune in at least for a little while and just see Shohei Otani up top because he's going to start the game for the American League pitching and he's going to lead mm-hmm. off for the American League as the designated hitter. Um, and it, it's just one of the coolest stories in baseball. And this 24 hours after being the number one seed in the home run derby because he's hit the most home runs so far this season. Now, is he going to give the exact same performance tomorrow that he gave in the home run derby? Okay, I so hope hold so. on. I don't know about the rest of you. Hold on. Number one, he was going up against Juan Soto in the first round, uh, which is not a tough, a tough, uh, or is not an easy, easy win, you know? But as the one seed, he seeded against the eight seed, right? Yeah, but Juan Soto. Again, we had eight really good competitors in this thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would also say uh, <laughs> the... Uh, uh, further to that point, uh, his the person who pitched for him, like who threw him the BP balls, was not doing him any favors. Hmm. Me and me and Roberto were both going like, Brown is fucking Otani out there. <laughs> He's giving him the most unhittable balls, uh, and that's a big part of you know the home run derby. Like when when you pick somebody who you have a good rapport with, like probably you know like uh, Pete Alonso who won the thing had a. Mm-hmm. Uh, had the had a guy who has pitched in the home run derby before and pitched for him before and throws him uh 
throws him batting practice. So he's very familiar with how the ball is going to come out of that guy's hand and what he's looking for and how to hit it. Otani's dealing with somebody who he hasn't hit since March, I thought they said. So, you know, like that's just like you can't just send you can't send somebody cold out there and just expect them to do well. You got to have like a it's just like if I had a if I had a prize winning horse and I was going to run them in the Kentucky Derby, I wouldn't look for my jockey on Craigslist. You know, I would find Mm -hmm. somebody who's done it before, maybe who's got a couple ribbons under his belt. Like, I wouldn't take this humongous investment and waste it on some guy <laughs> who doesn't know what he's doing. Some six foot seven guy who's like, yeah, I'll be your jockey. <laughs> for, uh, for those of you playing along at home, when you hear Corey say, you know, it's like when get ready because <laughs> you never know. You never know what's going to happen. Sometimes it's on point. Like, that one wasn't bad. Yeah, getting a jockey is kind of like having a pitcher because the horse is really the uh the thing right yeah. the jockey's there has an important job but not as important horse. as the horse the horse right. is yeah. the horse is what gets you there yeah <laughs> and then sometimes i'm left like where was he going <laughs> so sometimes i don't even know <laughs> sometimes i don't know what i'm gonna say until i'm finished saying it so anyway that's a that's a little sports ball up top just to uh share share the love on uh the good things happening in baseball right now, as opposed to all the awfulness. <laughs> I literally waited for you to like gear up for your next thought. And then I'm like, Oh, this is how you throw somebody with ADHD off. Boom, get them. And guarantee you have no idea what you were about to say right after that. Uh, no, that was it. I finished my thought. Oh, okay. Well. Other than all the awful news. And then I was going to be like, but that's sports ball. Oh, okay, then, okay. All right. Is that, yeah. I, it felt like you were gearing up for like a transition. And I was like, bam, hit him. Transition. <laughs> no, I was also going to say, uh, you know, perhaps my uh, my optimism for the MLB Midsummer Classic has something to do with this nationwide optimism that is uh, sweeping oh. the nation, apparently. I, I didn't. Uh... Look at you trying to take my job. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah. So a uh, big story this week. Uh, well, today, actually, because um, the. Rick, uh, the pollster people, whose name is the pollster right people. Uh, who does the big polls? Um, I mean, um, was it a? I didn't see the the actual poll here. Yeah, I want to. I want to say it was AP, but I don't think it was. I think it's somebody who actually does just polling. Uh, anyway, so they did a bunch of polls, and the leading story coming out of this was American optimism at the highest ever. And Corey, in our, our pre-show call, I think he nailed down exactly uh, how this went down. Gallup. There you go. Gallup poll. Um, and for those of you who don't know, uh, if you've never received a Gallup poll call, that's because you don't have a home phone. And <laughs> the vast majority of these numbers come to home phone. So you put in your mind, everybody you know who has a home phone, those are people who are getting these calls. And then keep in your mind the number of people who would Stay on the phone with somebody when they said they're calling from Gallup and they have a, a poll. Now, that's the selection of people we have. On top of that, one of the questions, uh, you know, it, it was about optimism and people are at the highest level of optimism since the Gallup poll started. So we are at like 70 some percent now. Yeah. So and I said it'd be a lot. <laughs> Go ahead. Sorry. No, no, no. I, I, I just wanted to say this because I found the actual question. And this is the okay. this is the other part that was like I was kind of on the fence about like uh, so the fifty nine point two percent of Americans say they're thriving 
Additional 73% of Americans said they experienced enjoyment for a lot of the previous day. Yeah, so yeah. <laughs> it's like, uh, like uh, uh, I wouldn't say I'm thriving, but I imagine that 60% of people who have continued working through the pandemic uh, probably feel like they are doing pretty okay. good for themselves. Yeah, like, yeah sure. I think a lot of people uh, who didn't lose work or didn't have any kind of ser- super serious negative context or consequences from COVID uh, probably feel pretty good about themselves right now. I'm sort of in the, uh, I feel like I can't turn down <laughs> any opportunity to make money because I burned through so much of it in the last 18 months. But uh, I think, though, that that you, even so, if someone who is a stranger or an acquaintance was like, hey, Corey, how you been? <laughs> well, <laughs> we've had this one before too. I think in LA, I say, "Oh man, everything's great. It's wonderful." Uh, if I was back in Baltimore, somebody's just like, "Hey, Corey, how have things been?" I'd be like, "Shit's fucked up right now." Like, <laughs> you know, like I think I mean, there's you know. definitely an East Coast West Coast thing happening there too. Yeah. But uh, well, maybe that does take into account we don't know where the Gallup results came from. But <laughs> I think that for the most part, people will tell strangers and acquaintances. That answer is always like, no, I'm doing good. Yeah, things are uh, looking up. Uh, got fired from a job. Um, wife left me. Dog got hit. I mean, a country song. Imagine everything that happens in a country song. And then they're like, but I'm good. You know, moving forward. And uh, I got some optimism about tomorrow. I think we only can get it better from here. I think the previous, I think the previous day is kind of a fucked up contact. Like, you yeah. know, like, how was your yesterday? Like your Sunday was probably pretty good, right? Like you yeah, played Call yeah. of Duty and you just relaxed and you uh, you ate when you wanted to and you fell asleep when you wanted to and you woke up, you know, you slept in. Like you probably would say that yesterday was a good day. Like, I mean, other than the uh, the mounting and ever present existential dread, yes. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, but We're you know, generally, why. yeah. But I, I think a lot of people don't. I also think. Uh, <laughs> If I were to just ballpark a random number here, I would say that a good 40% of people, I think, are dealing with some version of PTSD, whether or not they recognize that they have it or not. Like, yeah. I think there's a lot of people who aren't, like, super self-aware of the current state of their mental health. And this is just a a a blanket thing. Like, y- you might not have anything wrong, like, quote-unquote, wrong with your mental health, but... Uh, I think everyone's sort of dealing with something in the <laughs> over from actions over the past year and a half, and therefore. And new video I have coming this week. I ask this very important question: If everyone has something wrong, if everyone can identify that, like they're a little messed up, is it all of us who are messed up, or has society just taken a left-hand turn? And. What is the way to correct it? Is it to put everyone on a personal mission to fix themselves, to realign themselves with society? Or should we attempt to realign society with everyone? That's coming this week. Make sure you check out Robert uh, okay. on YouTube. Can I, can I, uh, can I put in a thought there? I, I, have you watched the previous 90-minute video? Uh, no, not, a few not th- yet. Okay, th- no, absolutely not. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah, but I think the, I think the <laughs> optimism is sort of a weird thing. Like you call somebody, like especially it's just like you know, like how's things with your wife? Like she's probably right here. Like <laughs> everything's why, great. Why are you asking me about this with her in the room? Like 
<laughs> like that Dave Chappelle, the Dave Chappelle skit. Like, Mr. President, Mr. President, what about the allegations? You cheated on your wife. You see, she's right here, right? You're gonna ask me that right here in front of my wife? <laughs> oh my god, amazing! No, wait, what was your what was your uh, thought about the uh, whether society should change or? I mean, I, I think we... that I think that uh, people in general, there's a lot of things that are like there's a lot of chickens coming home to roost, kind of so to speak. And I think there's a lot of fight, be- a lot of uh, people who are not okay with. Uh, that happening just generally speaking as a society so there's a lot of dragging people kicking and screaming that's happening right now and uh i think in the end we'll be better for it but right now i think things feel a lot worse than they are because it just feels like nobody can be happy like nobody can have the the full embrace of like a perfect like you might argue that things are better for uh people who have had the tough side of the stick for a long time now than it was when you were 10 years old right like i wouldn't but yes you could argue that i mean like i i think you know if you're <laughs> like i remember you know as a kid like the question was gay marriage right like should gays get married and i was like of course why not uh but a lot of people didn't agree with that take uh you know presidents democratic presidents didn't agree with that take when i was a kid yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I would argue that, you know, while there is still struggles for the LGBT community, uh, things are better overall than they were, you know, even when I was a 10 year old, you know, <laughs> so like, like, but for somebody who is very bigoted and very like anti gay, <laughs> anti gay anything like this feels like a horrible hellscape that we've entered into. Like we've we've entered Sodom and Gomorrah and stuff like, you know, like the end of the world is nigh and stuff like that. And but I think that I understand why Roberto's in such a mood all the time. But yeah, go ahead. <laughs> no, but I'm saying like I think that I think that we're going to find ourselves like you know eventually we're going to uh, there's a lot of change in society that's sort of happening right now, and it'll take a while for everyone to feel like they're on the same page with it, and perhaps we'll never feel that way because there's always going to be something. There's always going to be a new battle to fight, and uh, I don't know. Some people just don't want things to change. Like they want to live in the Anything that feels like change feels like something about their life up until that point was wrong and they don't want to feel like they're wrong. You know, like, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, and my, uh, my, for our list of topics, I put, um, oh shit, what did I put? Uh, holsters are dumb and Americans lie. <laughs> and uh, I stand by that. I think that is, uh, for the most part, accurate. Uh, I think. I think every, the pollsters will are were looking for a good story. They got a good story and they stopped digging 100% at that point. All they were looking for was like, hey, what's the thing that we can lead CNN with? And they got it. So good. Good the, for you. The question you should always ask whenever a poll comes out is, what is the exact wording of the question? Because that mm-hmm. that I find is the, uh, uh, you know, like uh, somebody might ask, uh, do you think Donald Trump will run for president again? And you'll get a 98% response on that poll. Like, yes, he will. Yeah. Uh, but if you ask, do you want Donald Trump to run for president again? Different you're going to get a very a much lower answer, a much lower yeah. percentage. Uh, but, you know, Fox is going to hear the, you know, 98% of Americans want President Trump to go back and run for office in 2024. You know, and they're just going to run with that. And then you're on your fucking treadmill going to the gym 
not me, somebody else, hypothetically. And they're <laughs> they're uh, they're watching Fox News, and they see uh, the headline, the Chiron at the bottom that says ninety eight percent of people want Trump. And then they're like, "Yes, I'm right for thinking the way I think." And you never bothered to ask the question, like, "What what, what question well, led us to this point? Like, yeah. what what am I being fed?" Uh, well, uh, another question on that survey though was. Uh, the, uh, do you think that we are that you are getting back to life as normal, meaning life before COVID? And a surprising 75% of people said, yes, we're getting back to life uh, as normal, which was surprising for me since it came the same day that the uh, World Health Organization uh, and the uh, CDC announced, uh, and this actually came from the CDC, since I'm going to use this, I should say that correctly, that a surprising amount of death is coming. Yeah. There goes that optimism. Um, but yeah, COVID. Uh, so, well, I mean, I think we can only see as far as the day's calendar will take us too. like, like, if I told you a lot of people are going to die of COVID in the next three months, then that's, that's too far. Like, I'm only thinking about tomorrow. Like, you know, how many, like when I look at citizen tonight and it gives me the update on how many people have COVID and how many people died in LA County, mm -hmm. like it's going to be up from where it was previously. It's not yeah. going to be as high as it was, you know, in December when it was a like year, a year ago. Yeah. yeah. Like when it was scaling to all time highs and stuff like that or January. But at the same time, I'm like, it's going to be going up and you know, somebody will have died. It won't be, a hundred people who died in a day or something like that, but it'll be people who died and people just can't understand that, you know, this is going to, this is going to tick back up in some degree, even with vaccinations, because a certain percentage of people are just not going to get vaccinated. Like, and I, I don't know what to tell, I don't know what to say to these people anymore. And uh, unfortunately it's not going to stop people that we know and that you love from uh, taking trips, going everywhere, going to the bar on any given night. So um, all I'm saying is we know what Delta is. We now know what Lambda is. I'm looking for the Omega strain, just like the Michael Crichton books. I want Omega strain. 95% kill rate. Just please bring it. Really, please I, bring it. Just, let's just be done with this whole fucking human experiment. It I, clearly, clearly I, uh, I disagree. I, I again. Do you? Despite the fact that I wouldn't answer the pollster with a optimistic response, I still generally hope. I hope for optimism at the very least. Like I want us to get out of this. I want us to, you know, go back to, you know, normal life. I, I, you know, I, I like the fact that I'm working again. Like that was, you know, a year locked away was not good for me. You know, so I, I think oh, that. What if you never had to work ever again because every apartment was empty and you didn't have to buy food because the stores were there for the taking. And, you know, we just, uh, are you just we, talking we about stick, like an, I am legend situation or something like that? Or you stick your hands in the pocket of a jacket you haven't worn in a while and pull out a face mask and you chuckle to yourself and say, that was a weird couple of months, huh? And you put down the mask and pick up your machete and then wander out into the hellscape that is the wasteland of uh, what's left of Earth and uh, fight off the uh, COVID-infected zombies, um, which you can take quite, quite a pleasure in killing as all of them seem to be decked in their brunch wear. And every time I see one in brunch wear, I just think, 
You're why we're here. Maybe well, it's just me. I, listen, I'm glad I, I for whatever reason the Zoom, I'm glad for whatever reason the Zoom kind of muted your audio there, but uh, we should. We, I should talk about my fantasies here. <laughs> billionaire space race. <laughs> yeah, uh, and if you're not worried, uh, you should be just because every person with money is trying to get the fuck off the planet, no matter what it takes. But I do enjoy the fact that no matter whether you have a billion dollars like Branson and Bezos, or far less than a billion like Corey and I, you still know how to be petty as fuck. Uh, so, <laughs> thank you, Richard Branson, for setting a high bar for me. Yeah, I, uh, during the pre-show call, I uh, actually used Branson and Bezos as a comparison for me and Rob, and he was... The wrong direction, I suspect. He was but... on the edge as to what I was going to say, because he was not happy to be compared to either one of them, and he didn't want to know why it was going that way. But yeah. I think I I think I found found the, the delicate balancing act that was required to, to make that comparison so, for you. In the comparison, you were Richard Branson, and yeah. I was Bezos, in so much as... Uh, if you came back from space like Richard Branson and you were like, yeah, it was fine. No big deal. Um, I would right. then, I would then do what uh, Bezos is likely doing, which is going to everyone and being like, no, I want to go higher. I want to go faster. I want to put me in orbit. Uh, sir, we can't bring you back. If you go. I don't care. Put me in fucking orbit. <laughs> um, because it's just, you know, I'm going to win one way or another. Um, I think though, that this is reversed that, I am Branson because I am petty as fuck. And I would a hundred percent go take a thousand pictures with the biggest ass smile on my face. And then we land and I'm like, it was fine. Uh, I mean, was it worth the 14 year wait? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> was it worth a billion dollars? Probably not. But uh, all my guests seem to have a good time. So not as good as yeah, founding. Enjoy this, your trip. Not as good as founding this large corporation and making all this money. And uh, I, I guess, the, I guess somewhere down the list, Children and family and marriage and whatever. Well, I mean, he didn't do any of that. Um, <laughs> that was just hypothetical. I think that the uh, the best thing you could have done is say something about like, uh, well, you know, after coming back from space, I realized that uh, if you're going to found a company, at least I didn't waste my life on a company that wasn't a music company, because at least that was interesting, unlike <laughs> space. And then Bezos, Branson! <laughs> Uh, and then lightning strikes, and then yeah. like the clock that he's building in the desert starts to turn, and then we all die. A real Wrath um, of Khan moment. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, but the, the thing I really want to get to in that is that this is great. Oh, billionaires are racing to space. It's amazing. Elon's probably like, uh, you know, shitting his pants because he's not going to be on a rocket. And he could have been. He could have been the first one. Oh, Elon. Oh, you missed it. Um, but uh, we're all. I mean, he literally has a off. company called SpaceX. So <laughs> like... that is going to the International Space Station <laughs> regularly. Like, uh, it could have been you, Elon. So uh, sucks to be you. Um, also, when Branson said, I'm going to beat Bezos to space, I know Elon is not the petty one because he could have just been like, do we have a dragon on the on the launch pad somewhere? <laughs> I'm going to go on this one. Okay, yes, let's go. And uh, that was not South African. Does, I don't know what that was. Does Tuesday but, uh, work for everyone? I'm just going to go up on Tuesday. Just go uh, on the next one. Okay. Nicole, Richard, clear my calendar. On Tuesday, I'm going to space. <laughs> going to be on the I'm International Space Station. I will not be able to receive calls. 
I'm glad that Richard and Jeff had fun. I tend to go, it's a bi-weekly occurrence for me to go to space and it's very fun. Thank you, Richard. I'm glad you enjoyed your one-time 90-minute trip. Yes. Um, I, I like I like to call that accent Bond villain. Like it doesn't need to be from General anywhere. Bond <laughs> General Bond villain. To be like, fair, Elon Musk is basically a Bond villain, so that's okay. Could be Russian, could be English, could be German. Who knows? It's somewhere. So South African then, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, uh, so Bezos is going up this week, Brands went up last week. And really the point of this was we are all the worse off for this race because, uh, Bezos lives in America and it's been well documented that, you know, he pays basically no taxes, which mm -hmm. is sure. I mean, he takes advantage. That's great. Uh, Corey was like, well, I mean, but Branson, he's British, so he's paying a lot of taxes. And then two minutes of research, he, I heard a, oh, from the <laughs> other side where he realized He's actually not a British citizen. He's a citizen of the British Virgin Islands, specifically his own island. Yeah. Where, uh, funny enough, if you would like to go, you can stay on Richard Branson's island for the low, low price of a seven-night stay for two for $26,600, which, by the way, I checked again, as of 2014. So I imagine <laughs> that has gone up some. Inflation is a well, they gotta they gotta make up for the COVID where they lost a year, you know. Like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's just like um, the the Yankee legend suites. It's just like, well, these are empty for a year, so we have to make up the ten thousand dollars for every game that we missed last yeah, year somehow. All in one year. All in one year, too. We just gotta make it up all this year. Um, but so Bezos is not paying tax and Branson is not paying he pays zero taxes under the law of the British Virgin Islands. And uh so the citizens of those two countries are now out of that revenue. And isn't it great they're going to space? Isn't space tourism amazing? Absolutely. But as Cedric the Entertainer once said, uh, y'all are planning to get up off this planet and leave us behind. But I want you to know, we're going to be right there behind you. You going to Mars, motherfucker, I'm coming to Mars. <laughs> and um, I don't know if you guys know this, but the laws of the sea are what control once you leave Earth. Oh, it's so, like international waters? It's the international water. So if I happen to be in my rickety ass space rowboat and I see your giant Bezos fucking space yacht and I come aboard with a space gun, which is just a gun that I've taken to space and I hijack the thing. Sure. I'm a pirate. And if we ever get back to earth or, you know, we can take, we can go up into your uh, galley or whatever, and you can hang me for uh, for space piracy. I got some unfortunate news about a hanging in space. It's not going to work out the way that you think it's going to work out. Sorry. Um, That's unfortunate news for you, I think. <laughs> no, no, uh, no. Uh, I, I will take the hanging in space. So does that mean that you just put the rope around my neck and then kick the stool out and then I have to spend the rest of the uh, trip? Day floating kinda... there. All right, guys, this is cool. Uh, what's the plan now? Also, I'm pretty sure I could take over an entire spacecraft full of Amazon employees with a pellet gun. So, just saying. The pellet won't go very far. Uh, it keeps everybody safe, but it will go through a window. So, you know. Will it project that fast? I mean, like. I imagine if it is, if that spaceship is as well made as everything I buy from Amazon, absolutely <laughs> it will go through the window. All right. Uh, speaking of people who are leaving where they're from for <laughs> to avoid something. Uh, transition man. What? Transition man. <laughs> Sorry, stealing your gig. Uh, the uh, Democrats in the Texas House and Senate, or the versions of the Texas House and Senate, 
have left Texas and gone to Washington, D.C. Uh, to avoid quorum, which is the, uh, for people who don't know, like sort of like the minimum number of people required to be able to do anything within government. Uh, in order to vote on a bill, you need to reach quorum first. So sometimes you might see, you know, this bill got voted on, you know, 200-something to 100-something, and then you'll see 15 people didn't vote. Well, the reason why they still had the vote, even though 15 people weren't involved, was because they reached the base level of quorum, which is, like, when things can start happening. Uh, In an unprecedented and never-before-taken move, the Democrats in Texas left the state. It's actually happened before, though. Oh, oh, wow. Okay. Uh, so, like, years ago, they got on their horses. They rode out into Mississippi or something. Do you, do you know about this one? Am I, am I breaking some history to you? or? Oh, uh, okay, fine. I, I was excited for a second. I was like, wait a minute. I know something that Rob doesn't know. It's incredible. Uh, this will never happen. I don't know. <laughs> Unless it's sports-related, that will never happen. So. <laughs> I mean, if we want to go back and talk about the home run derby more, I can. <laughs> no, I see that look. Good night, on your everybody. Face. <laughs> um, no, uh, uh, I, I don't remember all the details though. But uh, basically, Texas wanted to become wanted to separate away from the United States, I believe, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, there was going to be a vote as to whether or not to secede from the union, basically, and then the required number of people to create quorum left for Oklahoma. Yes. And then they tried to like arrest the representatives who left at the state line. Very yeah. much a uh, Colts leaving Baltimore kind of situation. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so that's funny. Uh, but this time the Dems are leaving in hopes of uh, some last minute ploy to get uh, the voting or the John Lewis Voting Rights Act or uh, the For the People Act passed nationally to avoid uh, Texas Republicans eventually passing uh, their voter suppression laws, which are currently just awaiting a vote in Texas. Also, uh, though, just to make it clear, uh, at the end of the session this year, the Democrats also left and went to Oklahoma. Yeah. So they didn't have quorum on this very issue. So the governor called a special session, which costs something like $6 million a day to reopen the state house and bring everybody back. Yeah. And four days in, the Democrats split for D.C. So that uh, because the very first thing on the agenda was the Voting Act. And they were like, all right, well, peace and rolled out to D.C. And uh, yes, they're making a plea to um, Democrats in Congress to like, if you pass a Voting Rights Act, then it supersedes whatever we we can go home and let them have the vote because the federal law will supersede it and it doesn't matter. Yeah. And hopefully they won't pass it. They still will because Republicans are dumb. Um, and then what they'll do is challenge the federal law with their state law, and then they'll lose, like they always lose, and then um, it'll be the federal, it'll, federal law will, will prevail. But I, I never really understood any of I mean, like, I understand why they do it. They're trying to limit the number of people who vote to the people who help them win elections. And at the end of the day, White men, people, White who, men. people who are uh, responsible for... Uh, getting the votes should be not be responsible for deciding how the votes are cast, yeah. Because that never works. Um, Seems logical. But I mean, like you know, it, I, I really think you should ask yourself just base questions about voting. Just say to yourself, uh, like, there's like a handful of things that I think are uh, prerequisites that can be discussed. Uh, at what age can you vote? Like, 
do you have to be 18? Do you have to, I mean, like, it's 18 everywhere, but, like, you know, hypothetically, if somebody wanted to say voting should be 21, I would listen to their argument for it. If somebody said the voting age should be 16, I'd listen to their argument for it. But we all roughly agree that there's some point in time where people are mature enough to get the right to vote. Sure. Uh, you know, there's conversations that happen on different levels about what what degree of felon can vote. You know, that's a reasonable discussion I think that should be had. Like, you know, I don't think Charlie Manchin should be allowed to vote, but that doesn't mean that if you served your time and you're out of jail and you did something nonviolent that you shouldn't be allowed to vote again. Like, these are all discussions that we can have. I mean, like, the the extents that go to for having to uh, have license, have a driver's license and show proof of residency, and if you vote one town over and that crosses this line that you didn't even know about, you could s- spend year, years in jail. Like, this is all, like, kind of... There, there was a story, it was a Texas or Georgia man who spent six hours in line voting Yep, at the wrong polling place. Uh, during the primary, yep, and cast a ballot, and was in violation of the law because uh, he <laughs> he voted in the wrong precinct. Uh, to me, that should be he his vote doesn't count. Like maybe just at the very least, like it, it kind of feels like a <laughs> like a Shikari Richardson thing. Like, yeah, I feel real bad about the stupid IOC drug policy and <laughs> like, yeah. how weed is on there, but also. Shouldn't you know better? Like, you know, like I, I, I unless get, he received something from a Republican that said your voting center is this one specifically to make him go to the wrong place. Which I, I mean, like, sent out. I'm, I'm sure there's a lot about that case that I don't know. Uh, you know, I'm oversimplifying it, obviously. But like at the end of the day, like, you know, I think uh, if you waited six hours in line to vote. Shouldn't that mean that you were really committed to the idea of voting and that yeah. uh, perhaps you're not trying to do it with heinous intent? Like, if I, like, just hypothetically, in a world where I wanted to steal votes or, like, vote multiple times or do something illegal, uh, I don't imagine I would do it if it took six hours to get yeah. one vote. Yeah. Like, it just yeah. doesn't seem worth it. Like, if, it, if it's going to take six hours to get one vote, uh, it, it it sort of feels like I've already kind of been punished for it. Like, <laughs> well, as you know, uh, the Democrats won Texas by one vote, so it really made a difference. Yeah, I mean, like um, seriously, like. Uh, but I mean, there's the also the guy who uh, was on probation, petitioned the court to end his probation. COVID hit. He never heard anything back and assumed, wrongfully, but assumed that okay. So even if my petition was denied, I have now served the remaining time that I had on probation. So he voted and come to find out it was denied and his probation is technically not lifted until he has a hearing where the judge takes him off probation. So despite the fact that his probation ended in time because he hadn't had a hearing because he couldn't because of COVID, then um, he was still on probation. And so he voted and now he's going back to jail for a probation violation. (laughs) <laughs> and a new charge so yeah i mean like america <laughs> the worst part is like everyone everyone just like tries to like break down into their own camps like they're like the the politicization and the team sports of it all is just getting worse and worse and we've been talking about this for the entirety of this podcast but like i maybe stop thinking about 
who this hypothetical person is voting for and why you need to punish them for it. And maybe think about, like, what if this happened to your mom? Like, if my mom used to go to this church to vote and then all of a sudden it became the next district over and she voted at the incorrect church. Yeah. And now uh, they were like, you know, like, you violated election law. Like, my opinion on that would be, she made a mistake. Can we, like, how about you just don't accept her vote and she'll learn better next time and she made a mistake and let's move on. But no, like, you want to you want to penalize somebody. And the reason I, why they want to penalize you is because you aren't on the same team that I am. You know, you're a, you're a Yankee fan, not a Red Sox fan. So therefore, you have to. Now, my mom is on the right team to not get screwed like that. But let's just say, hypothetically, she was on the wrong team. And hypothetically, that situation arose. And hypothetically, um, the first judge who heard the case and his untimely demise didn't instruct the second judge on what how he should decide that case. Um, and by that, I mean, you know, there's an unfortunate fuel-related accident and a car burned up somehow <laughs> suspiciously in the early morning hours as he left for work. Um, then um, we have to just go to drastic measures because if you were going to stick my mother in jail for some bullshit-ass, oh, she's voted here for the last 25 years, you moved the district, she voted the place she always went to vote, and now you're going to lock her up, things are going to go badly. For me, probably, but also <laughs> several of you on the way to that me. Um, hypothetically. Hypothetically. <laughs> <laughs> in this completely fictional hypothetical scenario. Um, do you, have you ever heard of the Unabomber? Um, so, <laughs> do you know why he was called the Unabomber? Because he acted alone? No. Uh, unidentified airline bomber. Because he his first bombs were sent to the offices of airline executives. Hmm. Didn't know that. Yep, so, uh, <laughs> what is a... Uh, Unjubam. Moving on. <laughs> so uh, a video was released recently of a uh, uh, former Pennsylvania senator, former CNN contributor, Rick Santorum, speaking yes. to a group of uh, Republican foot soldiers. CNN do better. About uh, and laughing uh, about how uh, they've successfully kept the Democrats from doing anything by uh, making it difficult for uh, Joe Manchin and Kristen Sinema to join their colleagues on the left and overturning the well, filibuster and getting they made anything difficult. done. Not that they made it difficult, just laughing because they have these two senators who are voting against the rest of the team. And the rest of the team is making their job so much easier because then they can go to those two and be like, thank you for protecting America and our, our historic legacy instead of being like you dirty rat, which yeah. is what they have to do to the rest of them. Um, I mean, I, I, it's not like the Republicans are not going to run somebody to run against Kristen Cinema in Arizona. Yeah. Like, you I know. mean, she's probably out. So she's alienated Democrats and now she's going to have a Republican run against her no matter what. So. Yeah. I mean, we're just going to have Paul Goser run against her in the Senate campaign or something like that. And that's going to be way the fuck worse than. Gozer? Gozer's running for Senate. What? Gozer is running for Senate. <laughs> Are you the... No, the Gosar, the, the, Oh, Oh, not the, the crazy mythical... lunatic congressman from not the Arizona. Mythical God, God from Mesopotamia that overtook Rick Moranis's body in Ghostbusters too. No, not that one. I'd vote oh, for okay. that one. 
Yeah. He seemed to have it all figured out. I mean, like, I'm not I'm not all about the uh the destruction of property and stuff like that, but you know, generally what speaking, you you guys, to- <laughs> licking like boots and worrying about defending property. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Listen, I'm saying the Empire State Building's been there for a long time. I don't think it should fall for no reason. It was the Chrysler building. Chrysler okay? building, sorry. Whatever. Yes. Uh, uh, anyway, but I th- here's the thing though. I, if I'm Chris in cinema or Joe Manchin, and I see that video, I'm immediately calling um, Senator Schumer and saying, like, call a vote, Chuck. <laughs> Let's do this, vote. yeah. Let's fucking do this. But they they're have not. so little backbone that they're not going to do fuck all. The problem is that both of them think, especially Joe Manchin in West Virginia, thinks that he has to every once in a while act like a Republican to be able to continue... Yeah being the senator from West Virginia. But the problem is that he's going to get primaried by a Democrat who's far to his left, uh, who will either beat him or or lose and bloody Manchin up in the process. And then Manchin is going to go up against a super far right-wing conservative who is going to either beat him or severely bloody him up. Like, there's no way he, like, gets through this whole Senate campaign clean I, I can't even imagine he runs. Like, why would you run? Like, you're you're gonna you're gonna either lose or look so done on the other side of it that like this is his only stretch of power that he's gonna be able to have. He's not yeah. gonna be able to McConnell his way into some sort of great renaissance of Joe Manchin. Like, this is his last shot to do anything. Cause I mean, just plainly stated, the odds of him remaining senator of west virginia after his next term is what do you put it at like one percent like yeah if, if that i, I mean like, again even if he survived the democratic challenge the far right contender is just gonna be able to say he's not a republican even if yeah. he voted with us most of the time he's not a republican that's what they were saying in that video yeah like yet we're thankful to have him now but he's not a republican right and we shouldn't count on him always voting our way or something yeah. like, like i have but the worst part of course the worst part of all is right here in california diane feinstein who doesn't want to overturn the filibuster either despite being in california where she never has to worry like you talked about uh uh abbott putting up the the money to have another session of the yeah. texas state house you know yeah. we're gonna have we're gonna spend 10 million dollars or something like that to have a runoff election where gavin newsom will win i mean like I don't, is there is there a legitimate candidate you've seen so far it seems like no i i think this is going to be uh not to spoil it if you haven't seen it but the platform doesn't exist anymore like the quibi series where the guy gets recalled but then still gets the most votes out of the straight runoff that's after that because there's so many splits amongst the other candidates that the guy who got recalled ends up getting back in that's See, where I, I think we're going i don't i don't think in california he, he can i think he's out as soon as he gets recalled no, no, no. He can he can be in. Schwarzenegger beat Gray Davis. That's how he got in as governor. It's a it's a two vote thing. It's a vote for recall and then a vote for who do you want to be president on the same ballot or uh, governor. Yeah. So you can vote to recall and then vote to somebody else. In the end, there are people who are going to vote for recall and don't vote for the any candidate because they don't agree. And then there will be people who vote for Gavin Newsom and don't vote on the recall question. And it ends up breaking itself out in so much as he will be recalled and end up being governor still. And see, we have wasted all the money. <laughs> see, to me, California is a perfect battleground for a reasonable conservative somewhere. 
The problem is that the conservative population of California is super far right. Like, there's not a. We got a shovel. We can run up to the the Reagan Library. And, um... <laughs> there's he was. <laughs> He wasn't a moderate. I mean, he looks moderate comparatively, but like <laughs> now, yeah, compared to now, uh, Reagan is a breath of fresh air. Uh, oh wait, wait, the Ford Library is, uh, or no, uh, Nixon. Nixon Library is nearby. Got you. <laughs> listen, listen. Say what you will. Trilateral diplomacy worked. <laughs> he opened up China. He created peace in the Middle East. Literally, nothing went wrong with either of those things after the fact. It just smoothed. And- as Smooth we learned from Sheila from Dixon, <laughs> as we learned from Sheila Dixon, you can have a political career after you've taken a fall. <laughs> after criminality, a little time. Yeah, just gotta have a little time. <laughs> um, well, I mean, he's been. It's funny. I was thinking about the Hunter S. Thompson piece. Uh, the like nobody liked you, you son of a bitch, an obituary of Richard Nixon by Hunter <laughs> S. Thompson. Like whatever it was. Oh man. Uh, <sighs> speaking of which, uh, CPAC uh, happened yes. this past week. For people who don't know Speaking what CPAC bitches. is, <laughs> yeah. For people who don't know what CPAC is, it is the Conservative Political Action Committee. Uh, they have an annual gathering where the most vociferous right-wing people attend. Um, this is not a place where you would see Mitt Romney having no. some little little speech talking well, about how we should work together. Oh wait, in yeah, 20, back in the day, maybe, but not yeah. anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I mean, like. At one point, he would be invited. Now he's uh, not public enemy number one, but certainly high up on the list. Even though he's part of the party, <laughs> he's like the he's like but the Joe Manchin of the. It's not a party event. It's an no, event but for the conservative political action committee. Yeah, of which everyone is a Republican and yeah, uh, batshit crazy. Because uh, where we talk get... about family values, but it has the number one influx of hookers. Other than the Republican <laughs> National Convention. Yeah. You get family values from Jerry Falwell Jr. Yeah. Uh, we talk about... Uh, His pool boy introduces pro- him and then he goes... <laughs> we are pro-life. Don't take your vaccine. In fact, you are a hero if you just own the libs from not taking the vaccine. And also, make sure that you have those babies. But the moment they're born, we do not give a fuck about them or mm-hmm. you. The worst is uh, Lauren Boebert, I feel like. Uh, because she just content consistently just says things that are like workshopped in the in the labs of the deep internet. To I was gonna say hell, but okay. I feel like the devil's like, all right, with Trump, we tuned it up a little too high. Let's just try to crank that down a little bit, and then uh, somebody comes up and he's like, George, I said turn it down, not up. <laughs> Give it to give it to Bobert. We can't give that to Trump anymore. And then she comes out there with like her like, it, but it goes to eleven on the fucking crazy meter. I turned it up and the dial broke. Now it's stuck at twenty. Uh, just the most loony fucking shit, and delivered with such poise. Just, <laughs> yeah. So what I'm saying is, we need to burn Washington D.C. to the ground. I don't like the British, but. <laughs> They had the right idea. Yeah, I I would I would strongly disagree with this. Said in a in a reasonable way, she's the she's the person who gave you Fauci ouchie, which is. Uh, I think that's good though. See, I like that because I like uh, the branding. That's in a t-shirt, buddy. That's a that's what. Oh, you want. it's absolutely a t-shirt. That's why she said it. That's the stupid. It's like the group think of the internet has made its way onto 
onto the halls of Congress. Uh, but yeah, I mean, like, really, if, if you're looking at CPAC, like, uh, uh, this is the future of the Republican Party. Uh, to a degree, it is. Yeah. Uh, bad news, because <laughs> it's just getting worse. Uh, and, you know, well, obviously say- Trump had his speech and won their straw poll. Uh, by the way, you want to surprise? You want to guess? You want to guess the the two other uh, politicians who finished in the uh, top three of the CPAC straw poll? These were the only two. The only two names that that uh, had any kind of double digit number or anything like any reasonable uh, shot of winning. Marco Rubio. Nope. Ah, you were right in Florida though. Oh yeah, uh, Santorum. No, uh, DeSantis you were thinking of, but yes. DeSantis, that's, that's who I'm thinking of. Wait, what did I think? Oh, Santorum was from the other story of this week. Yes, yeah, um, DeSantis. And then the other one was a member of the Trump cabinet. You want to take a... Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> God, I hope it wasn't the Secretary of State. Pompeo? Yeah. You are correct, sir. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Mr. Personality himself, Mike Pompeo. Was the was number three in the straw poll, and then I think it was Donald Trump Jr. and then a bunch of nobodies. Okay, so by a bunch of nobodies, I mean a bunch of people who finished with like less than one percent of the vote. So there was an intern at work who mentioned that she was born in two thousand and two, and in that moment, I wanted to go and throw myself into traffic because, (laughs) as we may have talked about, Corey and I graduated high school in two thousand and two, the same year that this person was born. Um, We've known each other for as long as this person has been been alive. alive. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Um, And then I hear that Mike Pompeo won the straw, not won because Trump won, but like finished strongly in a straw poll. He was on the podium. Yeah. Of adults who were thinking about the presidency and the freeway is not enough. What I want to do is to do a swan dive from the top of uh, the what's that building in downtown? Wilshire Grand. One? Yes, from the top of the Wilshire Grand onto the 110 because I want to make sure I want to make sure that I get the job done and the freeway overpass isn't 100% sure. Now, to be fair, uh, CPAC is usually uh, the, the winners of the straw poll at CPAC are usually the worst choices. Yes. Like it's never been like for for ages i feel like uh rush limbaugh would always finish high in the in the straw poll even though he wasn't a politician he never was gonna run (laughs) he was never gonna run he was so much better off for himself just like lobbing bombs from the cheap seats like he was never gonna actually do anything seriously he just he was a rabble rouser and yet every year at cpac in 1996 they'd say like you know 25 percent of you want rush limbaugh to be president (laughs) <laughs> it's like, no, that doesn't make any fucking sense. Wait, wait. <laughs> like, Did that continue to happen after his whole drug problem and cheating on his wife? And uh, oh, I'm sure, that? I'm sure, I'm sure it was. They were still voting for him after he died. <laughs> it's the it's the legacy of Rush they really want. <laughs> the good yeah, uh, is the good dumb. old EOB days. Uh, it's the uh, it is oh EIB. I'm sorry, EIB. Yes, yeah. EIB. Uh, it is two things. It is the near future of the Republican Party, and it is also the pictures that you're going to see in history books. Right now, those picture spots are taken by like an old lady that says, we don't want the N-words in our school. Yeah. Uh, but 10 years from now, it'll be a picture from CPAC of uh, Laura Bobert on stage. With yeah. Or, some, 
or somebody like taking a selfie with Charlie Kirk. <laughs> I will say, uh, your guy though, uh, Kasich, has really made a turn to like he's on the, the liberal media, but very much like holding his own. Like, I mean, listen, you make a lot of good points, but uh, I, I'm a conservative. I have conservative values. This is not my party. This is ridiculous. And all I want is to get the party that I recognize. And I, I've heard him like on two different stations on videos on two different stations. I'm like, good for you, John. Like maybe you're not done. You probably are, but maybe you're not done. You can help guide the party back or, or, you know, start a new one no like, i mean i i i 100 I agree with Kasich in that situation because like you know like so just look at the california recall again for just a second right like i'm not i'm not a huge gavin newsom fan i don't think that he's been doing the best job in the world i'd rather wait until his term ends in like a year and then not vote for him <laughs> rather than in a recall now but uh you know what? If you gave me a really compelling Republican candidate, I would consider it. You know, like somebody who is not a Lauren Boebert, Donald Trump, Mike Pompeo type. Like they're not going to get nominated. Though. Oh, I know, but I'm saying like, and it, it, the great thing about a recall election like this is you don't have to win a primary. You just have to be yeah. the best looking option in the field. Like if, if, if you're the best, it. if you're the best looking option in the field, you can win. Like that's it's yeah. as easy as that. And it would never it, your best chance of winning as a Republican in California for statewide office, like governor is a situation like this, where you have a governor who is, you know, popular enough, but not popular enough to avoid the recall. Yeah. Uh, you know, maybe he fucks up real bad right before the recall vote happens. And good chance of that. Yep. And then Higher everyone's season. just like, no, we want him out. We want Newsom out. And then they're trying to pick the new person that they're going to have to replace him. I like, I couldn't I couldn't in good faith say Caitlyn Jenner would make a better governor than Gavin Newsom even though I hate Gavin Newsom like it doesn't yeah. like it doesn't make sense if you gave me a Kasich type I mean at least there you would have a reasonable like idea of like what type of person like you know it, it would it, I feel like uh, a a quasi conservative person or a qua, you know somebody who's sort of like in the middle between the po political ideologies could find mm -hmm. a reason to vote for somebody like Kasich over Newsom in a hypothetical matchup if, where somebody like that happened. You know, like if I could get him to back off the Christian bullshit, I would 100% vote for John Kasich. Oh yeah, I, I, I have concerns about his social po and I'm, I'm listen the uh, oh and I'm not saying the state Kasich house is, is going to be a I'm not saying Kasich is like a perfect like no, a, a Hogan type like another Hogan. a Charlie Baker in Massachusetts. Like there's a lot of sure. there's a lot of Republicans who still they're dwindling by the day, but they're still you know, like, quote unquote, reasonable Republicans out there who are not yeah. part of like the whole Trump death camp or Trump death march into the sea. Like there, you know, there's some people who can see the forest through the trees and they're they're, You know, they, like if a Larry Hogan type was the mayor of Long Beach and decided that he was going to take on Gavin Newsom in the the runoff, <laughs> the runoff I yeah. think he could do well. I think he, he would be yeah. the, probably the most popular Republican in the field if he could gain the traction that was required to be talked about and stuff like that. But like Falconer, John Cox, Caitlyn Jenner, these are the, the main candidates that are being talked about as Republicans from California, and none of them have a fucking shot. Like, nobody's... Who who do you know who's like, oh, man, I can't wait to vote for Caitlyn Jenner for governor? <laughs> you know, like, it's not, it's not going to happen. Like Even the conservatives that I know uh, are not... She had, of Caitlyn Jenner. she had she went to CPAC to yeah. to tr 
talk up Trump bullshit and all that, all the, you know, all the cultish stuff that they're doing right now. And as she was leaving, there was some guy who was yelling transphobic things at her, like, yep. you know, calling her Bruce and <laughs> calling her a tranny and like Not every awful thing that you could possibly say to her. Like, you know, it, it was <laughs> like, why would you want to be a part of this? Like, it, it doesn't I, I get I can understand why somebody would want to be conservative and have conservative values, but also not want to be involved with all of this fucking bullshit that's going <laughs> like, you know, like. And just to clarify for the folks at home. This is the Trump death march. The Trump death camps won't get started until after 2024. That is what's <laughs> going to come after the re-election. Uh, or maybe August 14th of this year. We'll wait. Oh, and, and I'll be reinstated he's, he's, as president. Yeah. yeah. He's been very <laughs> unclear about what that's going to happen. But. Mike Lindell is the new version of the world is ending in 2012 guy. <laughs> yeah. Like once October 22nd, 2012 passed, it's just like. Oh no no no! I didn't factor in leap years. So. Yeah, <laughs> like it's gonna be a couple more weeks. Just give it some time. <laughs> oh my god! And then um, when that didn't come, it was just like no no no. Actually, I misread the sundials, and it should be in 2023 at some point. Now people are like, oh, it'll be in 2023. That's the end of the world. Yeah, and, and then all of a sudden it'll just be like, listen, we need to go out and vote in 2024, and that's when it's gonna be. I'm just gonna be the guy who goes on Twitter every single day and t- say tomorrow the world will end. And then when it doesn't end the next day, I'll just be like, I miscalculated. It'll really be tomorrow. And just keep doing those two tweets over and over again until I'm right. And then the few survivors. World's worst (laughs) And then uh, at the end of it all, somebody, somebody who survives will be like, you know what? You know who was right? That Corey guy. He got it. He knew. There was there was some guy. There was some guy. Uh. Uh. Sorry, the, there, there's a the Suns and the Bucks are playing in the f- NBA Finals right now, right? And there was some guy who tweeted mm-hmm. in like 2015, like mark my words, 2021 NBA Finals, Phoenix Suns versus uh, Phoenix Suns over Milwaukee Bucks in six or something like that. Yeah, and uh, it turns out that the two teams are right for sure. <laughs> we'll see about yeah. the we'll see about the number of games, but a hell of a call, just <laughs> just randomly out of nowhere, like. I want to see his other tweets, though, because I was about to suggest that you just bulk update a bunch of tweets and say the world is going to end on October 21st, 2021. The world is going to end on October 22nd, 2021. <laughs> and then once a quarter, the Library of Congress takes all of the tweets and puts them in the Library of Congress. And then if somebody's just doing a term search, end of world, October 21. Yeah, your tweet would pop up, and then like oh, yeah. five thousand years in the future, they're going to be like a new religion because they found Corey's tweet <laughs> predicting the end of the world. And it, little did they know, his timeline was literally just October twenty first, October twenty second, October twenty third, October twenty fourth. Are you arguing that this guy came up with just tweeted out every possible NBA final? <laughs> I'm just saying that maybe he did, uh, or he's a time traveler. I also we watched some videos. It reminds me of like when the cut when the and Back to the Future when the Cubs were supposed to win in two thousand and three or whatever it was and then they got yeah. really close and then lost in the nlcs like and it's just listen like, it's a multiverse sometimes things happen and we diverge from what was supposed to happen in life you know there was an all-time number of people who who bet on the cubs that year despite yeah. the fact beyond all better judgment that you shouldn't bet on the cubs in any year up until Meanwhile, uh, they actually what we won. did is we did uh just go and sit through all three movies in a single sitting which was <laughs> Very that was fun. Fun. It was a good time. It was but, fun. Uh, but it was a long sit. Uh, I don't know how people it, like nerds go and sit through the whole Lord of the Rings. 
it really it really makes a makes that third one not as fun. Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh it wasn't it wasn't as fun to begin with, but when you're when you're at the end of a four hour movie going experience, you're just like, Oh, come on, man, just get on the fucking train. <laughs> uh, uh about getting on the fucking train? Ah. Uh let's get on the train to ending sanctions on Cuba. I mean, oh, sure. I, I don't know what I don't really know what it'll do at this point, but uh sure, why not? Uh <laughs> Cuba is in the news because uh there is a quote unquote uprising happening in Cuba yes. at the moment. Which uh, just to be clear, the uprising in Cuba is happening in Little Havana, Miami, right now. That <laughs> it's happening right now. You can go look at tweets about it. Yeah, the tweets are hot and heavy in Miami right now. Yeah. Um I, I I brought up this point before. I just think it's fucking stupid when people write any kind of article about Cuba and what this latest thing means for the history of Cuba. Like, you are not going to touch on all the things that got us to this point. Like, there's no way. It's like trying to explain why this thing that happened 40 years ago on Days of Our Lives impacts the storylines <laughs> that happen today. Like, there's way too much has happened. There is no way to describe it all. Like at the very least, you're giving the broadest of broad strokes to explain. So you have not factored <laughs> in the mystery twin that appeared and the twin pregnancies from 1987. I mean, uh, that changed everything. It changed everything. Uh, you know, like it's not the same show. <laughs> uh, That's basically Cuba too. Like honestly, it's just like ah, uh, you know, crazy shit like that happens. I don't know. First, we everybody could go, and then now nobody could go, and now we're trying to open it up again, but not really. So yeah, yeah. it wasn't. Obama gonna open up Cuba? Again? Like, it was. It was open. I was making plans to go, and I said to myself, "I should wait because we'll see how the election thing shakes out." And then it shook out, and then it all got closed up again. So, um, but they've been under an embargo of some variety since 1960. Uh, one, which, by the way, as a note, John Kennedy, the man who signed the embargo, sent an aide around Washington D.C. To do what? Buy Cuban cigars. Bought every single Cuban cigar available in Washington, D.C. And then when that man returned to the White House, John Kennedy signed the embargo, which made it illegal to sell Cuban goods in the United States. So there's your fucking hero. You either die the hero back into the left or you live long enough to be the villain back into the left. <laughs> I It's a... Uh people people in cuba do not have enough food to survive nor they have many of the necessities they need to survive and this has been the case for as long as cuba has been under communism basically this is not necessarily all cuba's fault uh because nobody will trade with cuba and cuba can't export their goods (laughs) other than to a select group of countries (laughs) They generally do have enough food. Food is not usually a problem, but they have had three consecutive years of hurricanes that came through in the early part of the growing season, which has wrecked the entire growing uh, season for them right? and like ruined harvest. And then this year was looking like it might be a potentially good year. And the very first name storm to come through the Caribbean swept across the entire island and ruined the entire crop again. So, it's sad. Also, they are very low polluters on the list of polluters, um, and they're being bar- embargoed by a country who, whose military is the number one polluter in the world, greater than the next 
70 countries, entire countries after that. And then also the number one country. Uh, so that's, fun. I mean, again, this is, this is all part of what we just said to begin with any, any conversation that somebody's trying to have with you about a Cuban uprising is, is not going to be explained in a 10 paragraph New York times story. Like it just will not, there's no way that you, you can under the, the, the there's no way to grasp exactly what things are like in Cuba right now, because how do you possibly explain this all in like a reasonable way? Uh, I still say I, that you can't in good conscience say how terrible things are there without in the same sentence saying they have been embargoed by the West for 70 years now. Yeah. Yes. Things are terrible. They could be much better if you would just drop the embargo. Because we also push other countries and say, well, we're not going to trade with you if you trade with them. So it's not even... It's not even like we said we're not going to trade with you. We said we're not going to trade with you. And, hey, friend, if you hang out with them, I'm not going to hang out with you. And if we did that, I would never see any of my friends because they all hang out with my exes. What I what I think is is fascinating about Cuba, too, is that, like, they're, uh, they're uh, basically, like, they have this great crop of incredible people who've m managed to keep things going based off of whatever they were able to get when the embargo started. Yeah. Like I hear all kinds of stories about Cuba's doctors and medical staff and stuff like that. And the incredible work that they do, despite the fact that they've basically had no interaction with the, <laughs> with the outside world in the field of medicine since the sixties, you know, like yep. there's not like well, world... they have some, but well, yeah, not, but I'm saying like, not it's not like, it's not like a world-class doctor from Johns Hopkins goes to Cuba after he's done and he teaches a bunch of other people how to do Like, they've basically been working on their own accord for the last yeah. 60 years now. You can't and, go to the UK or the US or Germany or France. Yeah. And it's so. a different type of thing, but at the same time, like... Uh, also, like, uh, one of the ones I always thought was uh, fascinating was mechanics. Yeah. Like, they've managed to figure out how to keep every single car from 1959 alive <laughs> like forever like they just built like they don't make Edsels anymore but Cuba has figured out a way to keep it alive like and have manufacturing plants that produce parts for cars from the 1950s like <laughs> and they still work they got like a million fucking wells and they still yeah. fucking work it's amazing. It. Like there, there's parts of Cuba's ingenuity that which that's just fascinating and then there's also the part where like you know, most of the Western world has taken any opportunity they can to put the put the stick in the spokes of their bike. Like, uh, I, I, we were talking pre-show where I was just like, Cuba has never actually had a fair shot at figuring out whether or not communism works because, yeah, obviously there has been so much ire about the idea, the specter of communism from the beginning that it never got a chance to figure you know like the, <laughs> the the worst part about communism and socialism is we don't really know if it works because every anytime anyone's ever tried it there's been just as many people who will not let it go forward now obviously there are a lot of other problems on the periphery of that like yeah. uh cuba for most of that time has been under a dictatorship and you know north korea and you know all these countries they they have very problematic things about them going in. It's like saying like you know, well, there was something great about Nazi Germany. It always sounds like you're defending something that they did. You know, <laughs> it's like, but like uh, at the very 
at the very end, like it, this has been going on for a while, despite the fact that everyone has been trying to stop it. Basically, you know, like, and and it just for clarity for the folks at home, uh, I am a communist. However, uh, I am a uh, uh, a, Marx, a Marxist Trotskyist, and what you see in Canada or Canada, Canada, <laughs> you see in Cuba, those fucking uh, Canada Korea, communists. What you see in Canada and North Korea is exported Stalinism. It's we're going to call it communism, but really it's a dictatorship where. The people who are friends with me get to live in this pseudo capitalist system. And then for everyone down at the bottom, we call it communism. And yeah. also you have to be a member of the party to even get out of that, that thing, which is not what Marx envisioned. It is not what Trotsky talked about. It is Stalin saying, this is a great way to organize a country because me and my friends live a good life and well, everyone else is dumb. Well, I mean, all like a lot of a lot of civilizations have, or a lot of different countries have that problem. I mean, I would say that Russia, post communism, still has a lot of those tendencies in them, even though they're labeled as a democracy. Like I would say, the United States. There's a president. There is basically a president for life because Putin declares how the votes are are counted, so he always gets to decide by ninety what percent he wins the election. Uh, yeah. People who are friends of Putin or friends of the state are treated very well and they're billionaires and they have more money than they know what to do with. And people who, you know, are enemies of the state are poor and thrown in jail and killed for <laughs> speaking out against a dear leader. So, I mean, are, like, we, are we talking about the United States or Russia? I keep getting confused. I, like the United States trades the leader every four years, but they're always people from the same class of people and they still treat the poor people the same. So it doesn't really matter. Yeah, I mean, I would argue that, or I would say that, uh, at the very least, there's uh, that they they uh, they punish the poor but keep them aspirational, whereas yeah, in yes. Russia, like, because every every poor person in America thinks they're you know down on their luck billionaire, absolutely. But yeah. the the poor and and uh, <laughs> the poor and fought against in Russia or North Korea or Cuba or any of these places that have problematic leadership at the top has always been uh no 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 <laughs> you're not down on your luck you're not turning this around fuck you go to jail like you know like uh, i've been i was poor my dad was poor his dad was poor i'm just gonna do the same job and be poor i mean but i like need a strong man for a strong leadership i mean in america if you're poor you're still expected to buy a car at some point or you know yeah. like be a part of capitalism so i mean like there, there's it's a value to you even if you are only making fifteen thousand dollars a year like there's there's uh, a I, it's a new poverty where I use my cell phone and my laptop to check my bank and find out I have zero money. Right. Yeah. But Even I mean, like Jones's capitalism again, uh, <laughs> any story you hear about Cuba and uprisings. I mean, granted, yes, uh, this is, this is probably the highest the heat has been in Cuba as far as a general dissonance in a while. I mean, like probably 20, 30 years. But I don't necessarily think this is uh this isn't the Arab Spring of Cuba, you know. This isn't like the this isn't the moment that everything changes in Cuba, uh, mostly because uh, there's no what are you gonna do? Like, like there's not really anything to do at the moment. Uh, the the U.S. can put their thumbs on the scale again and try and punish Cuba and stop them, but you know they're they're just gonna end up doing what they want to do and. 
and people who are upset that you know they were beat by the communists and had to go to Florida are going to <laughs> are going to continue uh, passing on to their kids and their kids and their kids how awful Cuba is and intergenerational you know. hate. Yeah, That's we'll we'll just be American here forever. Pie. Like, uh, yeah. I mean, like uh, I, I at the end of the day, I want basic human rights for everyone. But I also don't live in Cuba, so <laughs> I don't have the right. I don't have the, you know, like I, there's very little I can do about what's happening in Cuba at the moment, you know, like. And as an American, they shun me from doing anything to try and help Cuba. So, what is there to do either way? You know what I mean? So, hmm. well, uh, if, uh, but if, if you, you want to put your, go ahead, sir. I was just gonna say if you want to if you want to read an article and think that you know more about Cuba, you should probably read a book. Uh, because you're going to need to know a little bit more than whatever the 10 paragraph says. Uh, I was going to ask if you wanted to put your thumbs on, you know, the scale of internet justice, where would one go to do that? Oh, I don't know. Maybe OtheAnthem.com, Corey to OtheAnthem.com, OtheAnthem on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and the listener line, 443-219-7595. What's that number again? 443-219-7595. You can find me at my website, CoreyBakerFilmmaker.com, Corey at Facebook.com forward slash CoreyBakerFilm, and at LegendCB5 on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Uh, uh, tomorrow is a busy day. Uh, it'll be a writing day. It'll be a shooting day, a video shooting day, uh, because uh-huh. I have been uh, the last couple weeks busy on set days. So uh, with a day off tomorrow, I will be doing various things, and you should see the evidence of that shortly. That that's all you have to tell the people. That's after after all this time that they've been waiting. I, I'm I'm disappointing as a person. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't know what to tell. No, I just needed a second to adjust my camera because I forgot to adjust it after last week. No, and it was still super narrow. <laughs> God damn it! It's still hang on. It's do you want me to? Centered. Do you want me to continue about how I'm a very bad boy and need to be <laughs> flogged for my lack of content? Let's keep our fantasies off the podcast for now. <laughs> I, was just, uh, I was watching the Bo Burnham. It's just like, Daddy, I gave you the piece of content. And I was just like, yes, that's very, <laughs> very apt. And so I feel sometimes. Well, you can find more of me at Robert and Chico Social Networks. Uh, as I said, I'm going to have a video coming up this week. I don't know what I'm going to call this series. Maybe I, I think in treatment is taken, but uh, something just about like uh, confronting things that you would only talk about with your therapist. Um but I feel like uh, there's something there. I'll try not to ramble for 90 minutes so that Coyle won't take nine weeks to watch it. But uh, for the rest of you, uh, the four of you who have watched the entire thing all the way through, thank you. More stuff's coming uh, and more funner stuff like reviews and uh, unboxings and such. Are oh, nice. Well. Yes. So. Well, I think we've done good here today. We've done something. I don't know if it's good. But as always, you're listening to the O the Anthem podcast, part of the O the Anthem digital network. For Corey, this is Rob. Have a great week, everybody. Make sure you watch the All-Star game tomorrow. You know, fun stuff rather than all the depressing stuff. Yes, escape your existential dread with American baseball. Nothing (laughs) wrong with that.